God is so good to us, isn't he? And he's showered all of us with so many wonderful things. And there's a reason for that. He's really good. He's really kind. He's just like, here, take it. You can have more. You want more? Here you go. He does it. And why does he do that? Well, here's why it's our big idea today. Gifts are given for, one, our enjoyment, (laughs) and two, God's mission. God blesses us with gifts so that we can enjoy them. What kind of God are we dealing with here? Probably not the stingy, uptight God you heard of growing up in church, if that's the God that you heard of. God gives us gifts, number one, for our enjoyment, and number two, for God's mission. God blesses us in many ways and with many gifts, and we are to do two things with them. Enjoy them and share them. And our mission statement here at Grace supports this idea. We exist to ignite a passion in every person to glorify and enjoy God everywhere they go and in everything they do. Our mission as a church is tied and connected to God's mission. We exist as a church to ignite a very real, tangible passion in every single person to do two things. Number one, to glorify. Number two, to enjoy God. But we want them to learn how to do this, how to glorify and enjoy God everywhere they go and in every single thing they do. It's for all of life, not just Sunday morning. It's for all of life. It's glorifying and enjoying God as you listen to the Beach Boys if you like them. Glorifying and enjoying God if you go to Pismo Beach and stop at Old West Cinnamon Rolls and eating them. Half of one, maybe a quarter of one because they're so sweet, aren't they? It's for all of life. And we can ignite this passion in other people to glorify and enjoy God when we are generous with our resources. When you give here at Grace, you enable all of our ministries to be able to ignite a passion in every person to glorify and enjoy God everywhere and in everything. Your generosity causes others to glorify and enjoy God, and that's why they were made. When you give here at Grace, you help people do what they were made to do and to do what they will be doing for all of eternity, which is glorifying and enjoying God. And that's what we'll see in our passage today. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And once again, no surprise, Paul dips back into the Old Testament when he talks about giving. Paul just can't stay away from the Old Testament. He's going to ground what we saw last week in verse 8. He's going to ground it in the Old Testament scriptures. Now, recall what we saw last week, that God's grace can overflow to us and flood our lives so that we become content in all things and at all times so that we will overflow and flood other people's lives in good works. So Paul dips back into the the Old Testament, into Psalm 112 now to show us an example of someone overflowing the set boundaries and overflowing in good works to their neighbors. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, look at verse 9 and hear the word of the Lord. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. 
So Paul quotes Psalm 112, verse 9, to ground the point that he's been making all along. In this psalm, the righteous, God-fearing man or righteous, God-fearing woman freely gives away his or her resources. This person doesn't hoard. He's not stingy with his resources, but instead he blesses others. And he is happy to do so. He's enjoying the Lord. That's kind of the flavor of Psalm 112. This person is enjoying Yahweh. They're delighting in Yahweh, they're trusting in him, and the godly person of one of Psalm 112 gives away his money. Oh no. I said the M word, didn't I? I said the M word in church. I know, I know, I'm another preacher preaching about the M word, money. But as I mentioned several weeks ago, I don't want your money. We don't want your money here at Grace. We're not asking for your money here at Grace. And I don't want you to feel guilty about giving money here at Grace. As I've mentioned, I don't even really think these two chapters are about money, really, Paul mentions it, but 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 are about human hearts, not wallets, not bank accounts. These chapters are about loving and caring for other Christians, and giving our money is one way of many that we can show love and care for others. Now, let me say two things about money since I brought up the M word. When Paul speaks about Psalm 112 distributing freely, giving out our resources and our money, number one, this, of course, does not mean that you have to give it all away. He's not advocating for a society where we share everything and keep nothing for ourselves, where we just come in and say, put it all in the pot and take what you need. He's not advocating for that. He's not saying that you can't save money or can't invest in stocks or save up for retirement. Do that. Save, invest, prepare for retirement. And two, this does not mean that you have to feel guilty about enjoying all the ways that God has blessed you. Let me say that again so I can set some of you free. You do not have to feel guilty about all of the ways that your God has blessed you. You don't have to feel guilty about getting a new car. You don't have to feel guilty about, man, that's my southern accent coming out. Instead of saying feel, I'm saying feel. You don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to feel, not feel, you don't have to feel guilty about going through the Starbucks drive-thru every day. You don't have to feel guilty about getting a massage or a mani-pedi. You don't have to feel guilty about taking a vacation in Jamaica. Too many Christians unnecessarily feel guilty about enjoying God's blessings. You don't have to. You can do all of those things. Starbucks, Jamaica, massage, pedicure. All of those things are good things. And you can do those things and enjoy them, and you can still be generous. And that's the point of Psalm 112, and that's why Paul quotes it. So, don't hoard, be generous, and enjoy God's blessings. That's it. That's the tone of Psalm 112. But Christians often struggle to enjoy what God has blessed us with because we feel a self-imposed guilt 
And two, we're often tempted to hoard it away for ourselves. But the gospel frees you to enjoy all of God's blessings, guilt-free, and two, to be overwhelmingly generous. And we should do both. You need to do both. You don't favor one over the other. You need to enjoy all the ways that God has blessed you. And I mean really enjoy it, okay? And you need to be overwhelmingly generous. So we're talking guilt-free enjoyment and big-hearted generosity. That's it. That's Christianity. And that's the tone and the heart and the flavor of Psalm 112. Joe Rigney is very helpful here when he says, how do we test whether we're enjoying God's gifts rightly? By our generosity, by our eagerness to do good, by whether we are rich in good works as we are in money. If wealth comes to us and we're enjoying it, but it's not spilling the banks and flooding the lives of others, then something has gone wrong in our souls. Gifts are given for our enjoyment, and gifts are given for God's mission. And then, satisfied with God and enjoying His provision, our lives become a tidal wave of generosity, eager to do good, on the lookout for needs, and ready with open-handed and big-hearted generosity. Our goal is this. We want to be as generous with others as God has been with us. We want to freely receive because he richly provides us with everything to enjoy and therefore freely give because he richly provides us with everything to share. That's what Paul is getting at here. Enjoy God's blessings and share them because God loves a cheerful giver. Don't just do one of those things. Do both. So you are free to enjoy a luxurious vacation and you're free to give stuff away. Money, skills, time, resources. What you should not do is never enjoy anything that God has blessed you with. Enjoy it. Listen, God is not a cosmic killjoy. He's not a curmudgeon. He's not uptight. In fact, I think if Jesus came here today, he'd probably say, you know what? You guys are way too uptight, okay? He's not uptight, but we are. Listen, God the Father smiles, if you will, when you enjoy all the ways that he has blessed you. I mean, he gave us taste buds for a reason. He didn't have to, did he? He could have just said, you eat, you can't taste it, but you get nourishment. He gave us taste buds for a reason. Because he's not a curmudgeon, because he's not uptight, because he's not a cosmic killjoy. And he has blessed you. And he has filled his world with all kinds of good things that he wants you to enjoy. I mean, think about it. Bacon. Sweet tea, vacations, and books, and coffee, and fishing, and paintings, and music, and the beach, and thunderstorms. I mean, you name it, you just fill in the blanks and you can spend your time and your money enjoying those things. But don't just do that. Share with others too. 
Bless others with your money, gifts, talents, resources, skills, and time. And so here's the bottom line. Enjoy God and bless others. We can do that, right? Surely there's something in God's creation that you can enjoy. Surely there's something in creation that you've had your eye on or something on Amazon that you've had your eye on, right? Go enjoy it. Within biblical parameters, obviously, enjoy the Lord by enjoying blank. And you just fill in the blank. There are so many things that you can put in there, so go for it. And then go bless others too. And that's Christianity. Enjoying God and blessing others. We can do that, right? Listen, Christianity is appealing and attractive when the world sees that. When they see us enjoying God and blessing other people, they might be tempted to say to us, so tell me about this Jesus guy that you worship. And you can tell them, he's the son of God, he loves you, he died for you, oh, and he created bacon. That was his idea. Here's something to consider. Maybe if we enjoyed the Lord and his many gifts in a way that points to him as the greatest gift, we might have more opportunities to share our faith. Hmm. Let me say it again. Maybe if we enjoyed the Lord and his many gifts and blessings in a way that points to him as the greatest gift, maybe we might have more opportunities to share our faith. And it can look like this. You're at work tomorrow, and you just say to someone, I'm so glad God created pigs so that we could have bacon. That will start a conversation. You don't know how to open up the door to share the gospel with someone? Just go to work tomorrow. Bring a BLT to work. As you're eating in the break room, say to people, I'm so glad that God created pigs so that we could have bacon. And start chewing and give them an opportunity to respond. Have you considered how you enjoy bacon could affect your evangelism and open doors? Something to think about. Here's something else to think about. Gifts are given for our enjoyment and God's mission. Well, Paul then tells the Corinthians that since God provides seeds from farm supply company and fresh bread from Panera, then God will supply for them so that they can be generous. Look at verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. That's a mouthful. No surprise, that's Paul, right? He does not know what a period is. So let me try to break it down for you. Here's what Paul is saying. God is going to supply all of us with material goods so that we can be generous in every way. And when we don't hoard stuff, but we give away to others, it produces many thanksgivings to God. God blesses us, we give it away, thanksgiving goes up to God. So everyone wins. We get blessed with stuff, We give some away to other people, they're blessed, and then they give thanks to God, and then God is glorified. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's not as complicated as we make it, is it? 
everyone can get in on this, no matter what your age, no matter what your financial uh, status looks like. Now, notice in all these verses, all of the grace that is happening, all that God was doing. Notice just how much Jesus has rolled up his sleeves and got involved in their lives. In verse 8, Paul says, God is able to make all grace abound. Then in verse 10, he will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. He will increase the harvest of your righteousness. Then in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way. And then in verse 12, supplying the needs of the saints. So God is doing all of these wonderful things in the churches in Macedonia and Achaia and Corinth and Jerusalem. In fact, God is always doing things in churches that glorify and honor him. And this is what Paul focuses on. He spends time thinking about all the evidence of God's grace that was evident in these churches. And we also see Paul's trust in the character of God here, don't we? He trusts the promise of Psalm 112. Therefore, he's hopeful for the future. Paul is obsessed with the character of God, who he is. Paul is not focusing on all the negativity in their church and in the world. Instead, he thinks about the God of Psalm 112 and says, oh, if you guys give, this is what God's going to do. And there's a lesson here for us then, is there? What are we focusing on? What are we obsessing about? What are we spending all of our mental energy on? If we take the glass half empty approach, we'll not see what God is doing and he won't be glorified in our ministries. So we want to be on the lookout for the evidence of God's grace among us. If we take the glass half empty approach, we won't be expectant, will we? We won't anticipate what God might do. We'll forget his promises. We'll forget his power. We'll forget his providence. We'll forget his character, who he is like. Listen, God is always working, always doing all kinds of wonderful things among his people. Always. He is answering prayers all the time. He is moving in and among his church all the time. The question then becomes, are we looking for evidence? Are we expecting? Are we anticipating him to be at work? And let's make it practical and real this morning. God is working and he's doing wonderful things in your life right now. You may not see it at all because sometimes, you know, this is kind of the way God rolls. Sometimes he does things behind the scenes and you don't see it. And that's his prerogative to do so, okay? But he's working always. He's working in your life behind the scenes right now. And if he pulled back the curtain, you'd be like, and you wouldn't stress and you wouldn't worry and you wouldn't toss and turn. And you would just say, you know what? I know you're working. You may not see it at all, but the spirit is at work in your life and in your family It's up to us to be proactive and look for all the ways that we can see him working and then to give him thanks for it. And when we do that, it will build our faith. It will deepen our trust in our Savior and in his promises. And then we'll stop being so uptight 
and we'll relax more and we'll learn to wait on him. As we just sang earlier, right? We will wait on you, Lord. We told him we would, right? And we'll wait on him because we trust him and we trust his promises just like those people in Psalm 112. So understand this, Grace. Only good things come from talking about what God is doing in our lives. Only good things come from pointing out the evidence of grace that we see here at Grace and in our own lives. Only good things await us if only we will be this intentional. Paul stops to thank God for all the evidence of grace that he sees in these churches. As we saw two weeks ago, sometimes you have to stop what you're doing and just thank God. Paul wants the Corinthians to know that all of their generosity is going to produce thanksgiving to God. Paul says that their generosity is going to cause others to overflow the set boundaries and overflow in thanksgiving to God. In fact, Paul mentions thanksgiving to God three times in these verses. Paul was big on giving thanks to God. But Paul also connects this promise from Psalm 112 to their situation. And so Paul is teaching us and he's teaching the Corinthians that we have to connect our problems to God's promises. Paul takes their fear of giving and what will happen if I would give away too much? And he connects it to the promise in Psalm 112. And that's how Christianity works. When we meet God, he shows up with his promises and we show up with our problems. And that's how it works. That's how prayer works. You just go to Jesus and say, I know who you are and I want you to see all that I'm dealing with. And would you do your thing in my life right here? This is what's going on, Jesus. I can't do anything about it. I'm powerless. In fact, I'm stressed out and going crazy. So Jesus, I'm asking you to do what you do best in this mess. So would you show up here? That's what you do. You connect your problems with the promises that you find in God's word. And then you say, Jesus, meet my problems. And you just step back and wait on him to do what he does best. Puritan Thomas Brooks said, God looks that we should spread his gracious promises before him. God is never better pleased than when his people importune him in his own words and urge him with arguments taken from his own promises. It's like this invitation. God's saying, I triple dog dare you to lay one of my promises before me and watch what I do. That changes prayer, doesn't it? It's as if God is saying, I triple dog dare you, find a promise in my word and bring it before me in prayer. That's what Paul is doing here when he quotes Psalm 112. He lays it out before the Corinthians and he's asking them to lay it out before the Lord. So, whatever it is you're going through right now, today, August 8th, connect it with a promise from God's word. And spend more time in thought, in conversation, and prayer, talking about and talking to Jesus. Listen, when you are suffering, when you are serving the Lord, when you are involved in some kind of ministry, maybe you're just in a meeting, whatever you are doing, at some point, you really do just have to stop talking about all the problems and all the issues and all the concerns, and you just have to begin talking about Jesus. 
You have to stop and talk about who Jesus is and what he has done and what he can do. And Paul does that here. He's in the middle of this ministry situation telling the Corinthians, you need to take up this offering to help poor Christians in Jerusalem. And he stops in the middle of that to tell them about Jesus, to tell them about the God of Psalm 112. He tells them that Jesus will supply and multiply their seed for sowing. And he'll increase the harvest of their righteousness. And he will enrich them in every way. So Paul just stops and tells them about Jesus and what he does for his people. And so we want to learn from this. We want to be a church family that stops frequently and just looks around and just marvels at how God is working. And it's just overcome with wonder and awe. And then we'll stop occasionally and say something like, this is all you're doing, Jesus This is just wave after wave after wave of grace upon grace here at Grace. This is you supplying and multiplying and increasing the harvest of our righteousness. This is you enriching us. And we don't deserve a lick of it, Lord. And we don't want to take it for granted. So thank you, Jesus. And you know what? Doing that, pausing frequently, looking around and giving thanks to Jesus that will help to create a culture of expectancy. What might God do? And not only will it create a culture of expectancy, it'll also help us not to lose heart, won't it? Because there's so much negativity out there in the world. You know that. Our world is full of despair. There's little hope. There's little good news. It's depressing. It's exhausting. If I never hear these three words again, I might speak in tongues. I don't know. COVID, masks, vaccines. If I never hear those words again, there's so much negativity out there. Let's talk about Jesus. So every once in a while, even as you have conversations about COVID and masks and vaccines, every once in a while, I'm not saying you can't, but every once in a while, stop and point out ways that God has supplied and multiplied and increased and enriched your life and enriched your ministries. So let me ask you this morning, where has Jesus supplied for you recently? Where has he multiplied something in your life, increased something in your life? Where have you been enriched in your life by Jesus? Stop and thank him for those blessings and those gifts. And then remember that those gifts are given for your enjoyment and mine and for God's mission. God has blessed and enriched each one of us with money and resources and gifts and talents and skills and time. And we can use those things to bless others. And when we do, thanksgiving goes up to God. Needs are met and God is praised. When we love and care for others, needs are met and God is praised. And so it's a wonder we don't do more of this, right? So let's be a church that just decides that we're going to be generous and bless other people in whatever way the Spirit moves us in our situation. Let's be a church that is always blessing each other's socks off. I mean, wouldn't that be grand? We might start thinking Jesus came to town if that happened. And we might start glorifying God, which is exactly what Paul says next. Look at verse 13. 
by their approval of this service, this offering that you're taking up and giving to them, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all the others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. (sighs) Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Paul is saying that when the Corinthians give... Those who are blessed by them will give two thumbs up to the way that the gospel has motivated the Corinthians to be so generous. And their hearts will be knit together because of the grace of God and they will glorify God and give thanks to Him. And that's the harvest of righteousness that Paul is talking about in verse 10. People will be thanking and glorifying God. And so here's what it looked like for Paul and company. The Corinthians' generosity would meet the needs of those saints in Jerusalem. That would result in many people in Jerusalem giving thanks to and glorifying God because the gospel has got down into the nooks and crannies of the hearts of the Corinthians and made them a generous church. And then the Jerusalem church would love and long for and pray for the Corinthians. And then Paul would give thanks for all of this grace that he sees in these churches. And that's the pattern when we live generously. We give our resources away, money, time, skills, etc. This will cause people to thank and glorify God because the gospel has changed us. And this will cause our love to grow in our hearts for one another. And then we will give thanks for all the evidence of grace that we see. And so it's winner, winner, chicken dinner for everyone. People are ministered to and blessed. People give God glory. It nurtures love for one another in the church body. And then we all thank God for all the evidence of grace that we see. Everyone wins except for the devil, which is just another reason to do it, isn't it? Does the devil bother you often? Does he remind you of your sins? You want to get back at him? Be generous. He hates that. He's not generous. He's stingy. He brings condemnation to your mind all the time. says, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you did that. Right? Stick it back in his face. And just be like, watch this. 10%, I'm going to give 20. Take that devil. We want to be as generous with others as God has been with us. And boy, has he been generous with us. And just like how Paul can't dip back into the Old Testament when he talks about giving, Paul also can't hightail it to Jesus fast enough either when he talks about giving. Look at verse 15 again. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So Paul stops talking about all the gifts that we give to others to talk about the most important gift of all, God's gift of his son to sinners like us. Jesus came to live the life that we could never live because we are sinners. And Jesus died the death that we all deserve because we are sinners. And God raised him from the dead. He ascended on high. He's sitting at the right hand of his father. And he's coming again to make all things new. And that is the gospel. That is God's inexpressible gift for people like us. And so what we've said all along is true about Jesus. Gifts are given for one, our enjoyment, and two, God's mission. And so Jesus, God's inexpressible gift, 
was given for, number one, our enjoyment, and number two, God's mission. Jesus was given to us by God the Father, number one, so that we would enjoy him, and number two, that we would share him with others. And celebrating the Lord's Supper is one of the best ways to enjoy God's inexpressible gift. And so God comes to us on Sunday. He meets us. He meets with us in the preaching of the gospel and in the table before us. And at this table, we take bread and we eat it and we take the cup and we drink it as a sign that Jesus did die for people like us. And we eat and drink trusting that through this meal, the Spirit will once again nourish our hearts by His grace. And so we enjoy God as we are reminded again that we are in union with Christ and that the old is gone and the new has come. And then we leave here today enjoying God's inexpressible gift, enjoying the gospel, enjoying Jesus. And what do we do? We go on mission to tell others. We come here to enjoy Jesus and then we go out there on mission to tell other people about the God that we enjoy. We start our week off by God coming to us, meeting with us in the preached gospel and meeting with us in the gospel made visible here at this table. And then we leave here on mission to love our neighbors and share the good news of God's inexpressible gift. We leave here to ignite a passion in every person to glorify and enjoy our God everywhere they go and in everything they do. And then we do it all over again next week. That's Christianity. It's pretty simple. You meet with God on Sunday in the gospel and you enjoy it all the way. You enjoy your forgiveness and then you leave on mission to love and serve your neighbors and to be generous and to share the gift of God's Son And then that results in thanksgiving and glory being given to God. And then we do it all again until Jesus comes back week after week after. It's not complicated. Church is not complicated. Show up and enjoy Jesus. Leave here and go tell others about him. So as we come to this table, enjoy your forgiveness today, Christian. Enjoy your God. Glorify him, give thanks to him, and then go share this gift with others. That's it. We can do that, right? No matter what age you are, everyone can do this. That's Christianity. It's not complicated at all. Enjoy God and share his inexpressible gift with others. Let's do that now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we needed forgiveness. And through Jesus' death on the cross, you've forgiven us completely. All of our sins, past, present, and future, are completely forgiven. Sins of thought, word, and deed, they are gone. Poof! And will never, ever, ever be held against us. Father, we should... Sing your praises louder than the angels of heaven today as we eat and drink 
We needed righteousness. We needed this perfect righteousness, and you gave it to us free, a free gift in Jesus. All of our best efforts, all of our good works, all of our sincere tears, all of our sacrificial acts, all of our commitment to do more and to sin less, none of that could earn our way out of the disgrace of sin into your grace. It's a gift, it's free, and it is ours right now. What a glorious exchange. Jesus got our sin and we got his righteousness. Father, we should constantly be doing the happy dance of the redeemed. In Jesus' name, amen.